With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Yes, today's News Talk TNT. This is Wednesday, the 10th of January, 2024, and we still have plenty more to get through this morning, at least on my shift anyway. I'm going to be joined very shortly by Gemma Cooper. We're going to be chewing the fat over another global issue that has bubbled up to the surface of the old news quake cesspit this morning. Yes, a little bubble coming up to the surface that's bursting, and we're going to help uh, to spread the love around with that story. Also, I have three guests, not one, not two, but three guests coming on today. I'm going to be joined uh, by Dr. Yvonne Ridley at around about 20 past the hour, and then by Leilani Dowding at half past, and then at roughly uh, 22, Roger Tattersall, a.k.a. Rog Tobluck, the old sparring partner uh, from Yorkshire, shall be joining me to talk about UK politics and climate shenanigans and skullduggery. So plenty more still to come here. And of course, please do leave your messages, thoughts, comments, opinions, and links in our live chat. I will, I am going to make an effort. Natalie talked about New Year's resolutions. I need to be able to uh, dip in and out of that live chat a little bit more, but because I explained this last week, it's just crazy at the minute with doing the um, editorials and three guests and interactions and one thing and another. It's very, very difficult to just break away from that and go into the live chat. But I do check the messages after the shows and I do appreciate the emails that you guys sent me through as well. Some people send very nice emails through. If you want to do that, my email address is rickmunn at tntradio.live. Feel free to uh, send me a message with your thoughts and opinions or critiques on that and I will do my level better to implement them or to uh, acknowledge uh, what you've said and maybe cover some of the stories that you've suggested. So please use that facility as well. Oh, so much going on in the world at the minute. Uh, teachers, listen to this one. Teachers returning from abroad to Ireland will receive no incremental credits. This is unfathomable amid teacher shortages. So basically what's happening is uh, the Irish education system is in a complete mess at the moment. So teachers coming back to Ireland from abroad don't get incremental credit for their work in other countries. So in other words, when they come back from being away from Ireland, still continuing to teach, they go back to the bottom of whatever pay scale they were on when they actually left, despite having accrued increments over the course of years. So currently teachers coming home outside the EU are placed on the first point of the teacher's salary scale, despite the significant and demonstrable experience they gain while working overseas. So they leave Ireland, they try and uh, broaden their horizons a little bit, get a little bit more teaching experience, get a little bit more uh, of uh, different methods and styles that they can bring back to Ireland and impart that to their pupils. You would think that would make them more valuable or a higher value asset to the Irish educational system. But no, the opposite is true. They get bumped back down to the very, very bottom of the pay scale and all that traveling and uh, gaining of new knowledge and methods and techniques counts for absolutely nothing. So this affects Irish teachers returning home from work in countries such as Dubai and also Australia. So traveling the world, of course, you know, making a few quid tax-free if you're out there in Dubai, but still gaining more experience 
adding a little bit to your resume, you would think that that would count for something with the Irish education system, but boy, would you be wrong. So the president, uh, the TUI president, uh, David Water, said second level schools across the country are experiencing unprecedented struggles in putting teachers in front of classes, yet the Department of Education still refuses to properly facilitate a highly qualified and significantly experienced cohort returning to Irish schools. So in my humble opinion, that's giving a message out there. We don't really give a damn about the education system in Ireland. That's what the government is saying, because we refuse to even acknowledge the extra wealth of experience that these people could be bringing back and imparting to our pupils in the Irish classrooms. And they're floundering. Believe me, they are absolutely floundering. But if that's something that you have any experience of, if you're a teacher in Ireland returning home, maybe you want to talk about that experience, uh, contact me and I will get you on the show here and we'll have a chat with you. But in the meantime, uh, stay tuned. Gemma's incoming here on TNT, today's news talk. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's news talk radio, TNT. TNT. Gemma, I don't know about you, but I like to be incentivized, all right? If I bust my ass and I go the extra mile and I do my level best to upskill myself, to get more qualifications or just to simply get more experience through immersion in my job or my profession, I would like to think that at the end of that, my employer would say, Rick, you know what? You're an asset, mate. You are an asset and not a liability, and we are going to remunerate you accordingly. But it doesn't seem to be the case with the Irish teachers what incentive is there for anyone to try and better themselves when they go out of their way to do this? They come back with more experience and knowledge and they're bumped right back down to the bottom of the incremental pay scale. Is that not a slap in the face? You're huge. Yes, absolutely huge. And it, it disincentivizes people from just going out and living, doesn't it? Because if all you're concerned about, if, if and it's increasingly the case in Western culture that, you know, the, the wages can't meet, meet uh, the standard of living, uh, you know, and just like keeping your head above the water, you know, that so that is what we are all focused on more than anything. So you, you don't want to do anything that will jeopardize that, which involves all those great things from, I remember, you know, gap years. Gap years was such a thing when, when I was young and so many of my school friends went to Australia and never came back. Um, and that's what I would be saying to these young fledgling Australian uh, Irish uh, teachers. I'd say, just stay on the beach, go somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere nicer, you know, at least if you're going to be skint, do it somewhere and you can enjoy yourself and the weather's generally good. Um, but yeah, it doesn't incentivize anybody. And having worked for various different corporations and various different organizations, I think that even when you're in an organization, I do not count TNT amongst this, I have to say. Uh, it's a completely different way of working and it's superb, uh, nor do I count the World Council for Health among this, but these are all part of the new Vanguard and the World Council for Health is where I was before I joined TNT. These are all new. These are companies that and organizations that are paving the new as a result of post-2020. But before that, prior to that, when I was in the matrix, and I'm, I'm interested to see what you think, wherever I worked, the approach to employee motivation was um, carrot and stick, except there wasn't any carrot and the stick was massive. And that was the incentive just to not get a bollocking. That was mm -hmm. it. That was how you got through the day. If you hadn't had your manager come over and go, got five minutes, which you know not good news at all. They only want to talk to you when it's bad, never when it's good. Um, that was the incentive to stay on track and do well. A massive stick for which uh, corporations and employers would beat the employees with uh, on fear of, you know, losing your job or losing your position or being moved sideways. So that that is, that is the corporate world, I'm afraid, uh, whether you're trying to get a foothold in or whether you're already in. 
isn't it a shame you try and get a foothold in and then once you're in you realize how awful it is um you and i both lucky we've broke ranks but uh, there's nothing really to be commended about working life unless you're following your passions or working for yourself yeah uh, the last organization i was in and i have no problem with saying it was, was the absolute pits it was the worst managed most demotivational place i've ever had the misfortune of working in there were some great people i met when i was there and we had a laugh we made it bearable by the crack and the banter that we had in that office but heavens above Gemma, the management structure and the actual grade structure was horrendous let me say this we were supposed to have an appraisal once a year i was in there for 11 years and i only had one appraisal in the 11 years and after that appraisal was carried out, it was a very good appraisal. The, the assistant director of the department that I was in wrote back to the guy doing it and said, you need to downgrade him in every area. It's making him look too good. Right. So I was, <laughs> he said, look, Rick, I'm really sorry, but I've been told to regrade you. I said, his name was Paul. I said, I don't give a damn, Paul, because I'll tell you why. As bad as this place is, if you give me a 10 star review, I'm not going to get paid any more money. And if you give me a zero star review, I'm not going to get paid any less money. I don't give a damn. It's a box ticking exercise. It's a paper ticking exercise. And to be honest, it was just another reason I had to get the hell out of there, Gemma. Zero incentives at all. Zero incentives at all. So I think we could all tell a little horror story or two. I could spend a, a five hour special. Probably so could you talking about the grimness of uh, life out there working for various corporations. But uh, we can't go that any further right now let's turn our attention to the story at hand uh, that you brought for us this morning to do with the u.s and the uk navy's repelling houthi attacks on red sea red sea shipping it's really hotting up over there in the red sea isn't it a lot of people aren't even aware this is going on it is hotting up and we heard matt boylan there touching on it at the news roundup at the top of the hour but you know, within within the last hour here in the uk um the defense secretary grant shapps has taken to social media because that's the new kind of marketplace isn't it where you announce what's going on in the world uh, to say that yes uh, the uk and the us uh, as we've heard from matt boylan uh, joined forces to repel the largest houthi attack so far in the red sea um last night they launched 18 drones and three missiles against a, a vessel they've been targeting ships indiscriminately uh, they, they're saying it's because these ships allegedly have links to Israel. Um, they are a, a part of the axis of resistance along with Hamas there in the Middle East. Um, and they are uh, uh, absolutely supporting Hamas and doing everything that they, they can uh, to disrupt shipping. But obviously the problems have come when the ships that they've targeted, the first one was a Norwegian oil container vessel, had no links to Israel whatsoever. And they are stepping up their efforts to, to disrupt that shipping lane. It's the southern part of the Red Sea and, and it's working. Lots of big companies now aren't going through the Red Sea to come up from uh, east to west. They're now going right down uh, through past South Africa around the Cape of Good Hope, which is a very treacherous kind of rough shipping channel. It's adding 10 days onto the journeys. And of course, the costs are being passed on to the consumer, which is really the, the end result of this story. Uh, one British business has come out and said that uh, costs have gone up 250%. They import goods from China. They run a, a seasonal um company, business, uh, 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 toys and games, that kind of thing. Uh, the 250% increase since the first attack uh, last year. And they say if it carries on, it's unsustainable for them to, to remain in business. And they won't be the only one. And it, obviously, this is an issue that doesn't just affect mm. the UK. So this is the 26th attack that the Houthis have launched since the 19th of November. And last week, uh, 12 nations around the world, including obviously America and the UK, were very closely working together. Australia, Japan, Germany, Italy, all these nations, they've all 
stepped up and said, look, uh, you've got to immediately stop these attacks, um, which are actually illegal. Now, the Houthis haven't actually commented on this one, um, but they've they've remained quite tight-lipped. Um, and the 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 kind of posturing by by the West to say, look, if you don't stop, we're going to do something. I think they're quite reluctant to do something because mm. the axis of resistance um, includes Hamas. Obviously, we know about Hamas at Palestine, Hezbollah from Lebanon, and several other militia groups in Iraq and Syria. So they they have no intention of backing down the Houthis because they they want this stalemate so that eventually Israel ceases fire. Uh, and, and there's no chance of a ceasefire if the West piles in and says, you stop that now, you stop attacking those ships because you've got the, the force of the axis of resistance behind them. It, all it's going to do is escalate. But at the moment where we are with this is that uh, HMS Diamond was deployed. That was the part of the UK Navy that was deployed to, to help repel this attack, which happened only really a few hours ago, Tuesday night. Um, and it's again, America and the UK working together. Uh, nobody wants an escalation of this. But uh, it's not going away. That's very clear. And it is escalating because this is the largest attack since November. And the, the Houthis clearly see that they've got the West rattled. That's the last thing anyone wants with the Middle East. It's a tinderbox. It has the potential for World War Three. We all know that. Whether or not that would happen, I don't personally think it would. But you don't want another climate of fear as we all enter 2024. That affects all of us around the planet. If you're constantly worried about whether a nuclear bomb is going to go off, you it really makes it difficult for you to enjoy your one precious life, which is also part of this, I think, bringing the collective consciousness down, back down into a state of fear and polarization. Yeah, the other thing you, you highlighted there too, Gemma, uh, you know, everybody gets affected by a lot of these events that are happening in the world. So even though there was a war in, you know, Ukraine, Russia two years ago, it affected us in terms of, you know, electricity prices, fuel prices went up, prices went up in general, inflation was crazy, they were raising interest rates. Same things happened in the Middle East now uh, after October the 7th, uh, whenever uh, Israel and Palestine went to war. Now we're having uh, Yemen getting involved here because of the location of the Red Sea. As you rightly say, a lot of these shipping containers or these shipping vessels are now diverting right around the bottom of Africa. That's putting the spot prices, there was a story I covered earlier on the week, spot prices for containers are up 160% over the last month or so, which is filters down to you and I, because when we are buying these goods, when they finally hit the UK, the, you know, the price of that is going to be factored in, increased prices are going to be factored in. So it does affect us directly and indirectly as well. And that's why it's important to keep abreast of these things, I think, because people think, oh, well, it's in the Middle East, it's Yemen, it's the Red Sea, that's nowhere near us. But it affects us. All these stories that we cover, one way or another, they all have a filter down effect into our pockets. And that's the worst place you want to get affected by all this is in your pocket. And uh, sadly, that's one another thing that's contributing towards this uh, terrible cost of living crisis that we're all experiencing at the minute. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, you know, is it deliberate? Is that the whole mm -hmm. point of this to push up global prices? You know, let's try everywhere we can in the world to push up prices, to squeeze people even more Then they're easier to control. Then we can bring in universal basic income. You know how this story goes. We talk about it all the time here, the agenda, the agenda, the agenda. And we haven't even got time to sort of question, you know, the Houthis, they say they're funded by Iran. Are they? Are they? Mm -hmm. We all know about the stories about the CIA funding, funding and creating mm -hmm. ISIS to create further destabilization and tensions with, you know? So who, who knows the real truth, but except that this, this has got the potential to, to escalate even further. I very much doubt this is the last time we'll be talking here on TNT about another Houthi attack in the Red Sea and the knock-on effects, like you rightly say, to, to us and, and the pushing the prices up, not just of energy, but of everything else.
uh, that, that yeah. comes through that trading route. Sadly, these things don't tend to de-escalate once they're started, although who knows, uh, maybe things will come back under control. There will have to remain uh, slightly optimistic for that to happen. But as per now, the attacks are escalating, the prices, it's causing an increase in prices, and it does filter down into our pockets. So wherever you are in the world, if you're listening to this, this, this does affect all of us in a financial sense. Uh, sadly, it, it's also conflict and uh, war in the in the Middle East. But even if you're not directly involved in it, you're going to be affected by it. So massive thanks to you. Gemma, of course, uh, for bringing that one to us today. And we shall uh, talk again tomorrow morning on the Open Line Show at 9 a.m. in the UK. That's Gemma Cooper. I'm Rick Munn. And we'll back again after the short ad break here on TNT today. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, Share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Okay, I'm, I'm still joined by Gemma Cooper this morning too. The good thing is live radio, it's spontaneous. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, we've had uh, an issue with uh, the guests that we're supposed to have on, but Gemma's very kindly agreed to stay on because I have a lot of other things that I want to cover off here today before we hit the halfway mark. And uh, welcome Leilani Dowding after the news break at 10.30. But Gemma, uh, people trafficking is a big thing. Uh, a lot of speculation, You know, for example, if you've seen this uh Brooklyn story, uh, tunnels under synagogues, asking questions, what's it for? Is it to connect buildings in the event of a COVID emergency, which is allegedly what they were for? Other people are saying it's for people trafficking. People trafficking is a huge business in the world right now. And there's a story here that I saw this morning coming out of Ireland. 14 migrants discovered hidden in a refrigerated container at Ross Lair in Ireland. I'll just give you the breakdown in the story here. You can tell me what you think. So uh, a group of 14 people, including two children, were discovered after they made panicked phone call to the UK police, who then uh, uh, highlighted this to Irish authorities. So the migrants were found in a refrigerated lorry at Ross Lair Europort and had been forced to cut a hole in the container as they struggled to breathe. It has emerged. A local first responder said it was lucky. Nobody had died in the incident after the migrants 
migrants panicked and phoned the UK police who then talked to the Irish authorities. So here we have a shipping container, 14 people, refrigerated, including two kids, just about to suffocate to death as they're being trafficked into Ireland. And let's face it, they were being trafficked. They weren't uh, stowing away there without anybody's knowledge. Uh, it's getting bad when people are prepared to literally risk their lives to get into Ireland to perceivably get a free house and get benefits because why else would they have been risking their lives in that way? Well, I mean, I think the key word there is trafficking. Were they coming mm -hmm. in to to pose as economic or, or, or asylum seekers mm -hmm. or economic mi migrants or asylum seekers, or were they being trafficked, in which case they would have disappeared without a trace? Uh, mm -hmm. And that is the, the horrendous part of trafficking. It, it's, a, it's completely different, isn't it, to coming over seeking some kind of blissful new life uh, mm -hmm. and, and handouts and accommodation or escaping war. Some people, we only forget, some people are still escaping mm -hmm. persecution, but the numbers are skewed in the wrong way, I'm afraid, on that one. Um, but I, I, also the trafficking thing, it's not, it's not a wonderful new life. It's sold to you like that. You pay a lot of money and then you find yourself living a horror show, don't you? A horror story. Um, so it's difficult to know that the, we can't know the exact circumstances of why those people were in that container. We can hazard a guess given the situation with immigration now in Ireland. Um, yeah. But, but let's, let's hope it probably was that and it wasn't trafficking, especially with children involved. They, they end up in awful situations, don't they, Rick, of um, domestic slavery, sexual slavery, abuse. I mean, it's just awful. Um, and, 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 a, and a growing trade. I think it's the one number one trade now, isn't it? I think that's what mm -hmm. the point that Sound of Freedom, the film was making, it is the number one trade in the world. Yeah, the so-called justice minister, uh, Helen McEntee, has made a comment on this one too, Gemma. Uh, she said that it was fortuitous that there were no deaths in the incident. She said, I was extremely concerned to learn of the discovery of 14 people, including three women and two children in a refrigerated lorry. I want to thank the emergency services for their initial response. I understand that people are in good health. We know from past experience that this has led to tragedies. So she's waffling on, uh, giving thanks that nobody had died, but she's not addressing the issue of, well, why were they in that refrigerated lorry in the first place? And why did the British police have to be phoned, who in turn notified the Irish Port Authorities before they then freed these people before they actually died. So if these guys hadn't have made a phone call to the UK police, who then al alerted the Irish authorities, the chances are high, Gemma, that they, there would have been fatalities here and she wouldn't have been coming on talking about how fortuitous it was that there was no deaths. Those, they, you know, you have to ask the question, what's she doing about this? She talks the talk like Shella Braverman, but she's not really walking the walk. Mm. I mean, you know, there is that onus of responsibility now, isn't there, when you consider mm -hmm. how people are arriving into not just the UK, but in countries around the world, people are, are strapping themselves into all sorts of things, all sorts of containers, I saw some footage, it was on social media, so I can't really verify if it was authentic, uh, with people on tops of uh, reef racks on cars strapped into what looked like kind of packaging, and there were human beings inside. Now, whether or not that was staged, or whether or not that was a real thing, it, it, I don't know, but it, it's shocking, it's shocking that people will go to the such measures. Um, so the onus would then be on border patrols, not just in Ireland or the UK, but to open every container, every packaging, every box, because you just don't know what's inside, do you? Every every wooden box, every every plastic box, every everything coming in on shipping containers, even if they're coming in via South Africa and not the Red Sea anymore, what are in those containers? I mean, you imagine the scale of that opening every single thing 
is arriving in every single port to see if people are being trafficked. Of course, there's no manpower for that and there's no money for that. Um, luckily, in this instance, they were so, well, it wasn't lucky. They were probably absolutely terrified, weren't they, that they were all going to die and dialed the classic 999 um, mm -hmm. to get rescued. And my heart goes out to those people in that country. It must have been really, really frightening. I mean, little children as well. Yeah. Yeah, and don't, and don't forget, they were picked up in Rossler in Ireland, but they must have had a torturous journey even to get to Rossler in Ireland. You know, they probably came in, and well, it was a refrigerated lorry, so they'd have spent a long time in that lorry, Gemma, uh, probably had no uh, fresh food there, probably no, well, obviously no toilet facilities in there, and slowly freezing and suffocating to death before they actually reached Irish soil. So an absolute horror story, if ever there was one, but sadly, it's not the first time we've heard about something like this on probably won't be the last time until the governments get real and actually seriously addressing this problem. So uh, massive thanks to you, of course, for your input in that one as well. That was an unexpected uh, surprise, very welcome one as well. Uh, big salute to you, Gemma, the Cooper Trooper. She'll be joining uh, James Freeman as normal uh, in the next hour. So you'll get another fix a gem if that's what you want to do at 11 o'clock UK time. But in the meantime, we're going to go to the news and I'll be joined after the news by uh, Leilani Dowding for the first time here on Locked and Loaded. So please, Stay tuned to TNT, today's news talk. Well, what's the news? TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Donald Trump has called for urgent action to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the upcoming presidential election. Just when we thought we had seen the last of COVID-19, authorities in Australia are once again sounding the alarm. And America's first mission to the moon in more than 50 years has failed after its unmanned spacecraft suffered a fuel leak making it impossible to carry out a soft landing on the lunar surface. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Okay, we're uh, halfway through the show here, and I'm very happy to be joined for the first time on open, and uh, not open line, on locked and loaded anyway, by the one and only Leilani Dowding. I know she's made a few appearances uh, with my good friend D.D. Denslow on this Digging Deeper show. Today, it's her turn to suffer on uh, locked and loaded. So uh, without any further ado, welcome Leilani. She's a social and political commentator. She's a landlord, a reality TV star, and also a regular on Mark's stein tv welcome and how are you doing today i'm good thank you thanks for having me on oh it's a pleasure uh, it's a pleasure listen there's so much happening in the world right now i know you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening uh, are you right am i right in saying that this is the craziest time probably in human history to be alive and certainly if it's nothing else leilani it's entertaining it is. It's absolutely crazy at the moment. It's just everything. I feel like everything's just inverted and upside down, but it is also very entertaining. I think there's good happening. I think a lot of people are seeing the government and these institutions like the WEF for what they are. You know, there's a lot there's a lot happening and there's a lot of good things going on. It's it's, you know, inadvertently people have actually woken up because of their complete and utter. I won't call it incompetence because I think it's done on purpose, but because of the government's behavior, um, I think a lot of people, you know, are finally waking up to it. And they are, and also a lot of people are finding maybe a voice that they didn't have up until it's four years now since these lockdowns first kicked in, which I think really uh, shook a lot of people into consciousness as to exactly how they're being treated and uh, mistreated and abused by their governments. Uh, one person in particular that seems to have found 
their voice very powerfully over the last weekend anyway, and certainly yeah. blasted himself onto many people's radars, is the one and only Joey Barton. Now, I don't know about you, uh, I'm not a football fanatic. However, uh, I have been thoroughly entertained by some of the stuff that our Joey's been coming out with over the last few days. And it seems to be uh, rattling a lot of cages at high level. There's a story came in here this morning, the UK sports minister has condemned Joey Barton's comments about women's football commentators as dangerous uh, and has promised to intervene with social media platforms in order to have him censored. What's he saying that's so dangerous? What's he saying that's so bang out of order that the UK sports minister is waiting in on this one and getting involved? Is he not? Should he not just be left alone if he's a crackpot and he'll burn out instead of shining more attention on him? Well, this is the thing. I'll get into what he said in a minute. But what what I this is what I mean by people are waking up. You see a government minister getting involved over hurty words in a tweet in an ex footballer's tweet. You know, not he's not a politician. He's not involved. An ex footballer's tweet. Now, if people had just left it alone, if the media hadn't ran with it, this story would have gone. But because everyone jumped on it, you know, the the box tickers, the tokeners, the woke people, their buddies, the self serving um, hypocrites in our society because they all jumped in it and the mainstream media blew it up it became a lot bigger than you know what he actually said and when you think that this minister has come in and said his little hurty words in his tweet are dangerous when you've got criminals illegal illegal criminals entering this country that we're putting up you've got biological men in women's spaces you've got stabbings all over the country especially in london um all of this and you know just last week there was a doctor who had collected child rape images who was set free from court and they're going to call joey barton dangerous this is where people think hold on a minute this is absolutely crazy now if we go back to what he said i think the first tweet i noticed was um just before christmas he said you know the women's football team the lionesses would probably get beat by a sunday league team papers jumped on it called him absolutely misogynistic um just horrible you know horrible tweets prove him wrong <laughs> i i i think that sunday league players probably would beat them and then you know i, I think i tweeted that and uh, you had all these different examples like the under 16s boys from dallas um beat the women's americans football team soccer team so you know, he's not lying in what he's saying. But if I was to say it, you know, when when the World Cup, the Women's World Cup happened, um, I can't even remember what summer it was. But all I know was that I was weeding my garden because that's what I would rather do than watch women's football. I've said it, but because a man said it, suddenly it's misogynistic and it's not. Joey Barton has a right to say how he feels. Now, he made a joke. People might think it's an offensive joke, but it's a joke. He made a joke and said that, you know, these female commentators were murdering the game of football and compared them to Fred and Rose West. Now, it's offensive to some people. It's funny to some people. No one takes it literally that these two female competitors uh, commentators actually went around murdering a football game. You know, it's just ridiculous. So um, that's what he's in trouble for. Um, yeah. And it's just completely been blown out of proportion. But I think that a lot of people have his back because a lot of people are sick and tired of this 
um, you know, box ticking, tokenism. Let's get people in because of DEI instead of Mm -hmm. on merit. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's saying what a lot of people are too afraid to say. And I think, you know, he's no longer got the manager's job. So he's kind of free to say what he wants now. He has no one saying, well, you know, he's got no one putting him on. You're going to lose your job. Uh, You're going to lose your sponsors. No one can say that to him. Uh, and you know what? Do you not think that that's a very dangerous person for the establishment, i.e. someone with nobody to give an account of themselves to? And also, as he's pointed out, that he has deep pockets. So if anybody wants to sue him, they can feel free to do that. He's got good lawyers. He's got plenty of money in his pockets. So he's not going to be easily intimidated. And you also mentioned about uh, offence there as well. And I saw someone commentating there recently, uh, Leilani, that said, offence is not something that you can give. You can't give offence. People can only take offense at what you say. And of course, you mentioned it earlier on. You know, there's a lot of people getting offended these days because of hurty words or actions that are going on there. You have a choice to be offended or not, really. Mm -hmm. And for example, if you offend me in any way, shape or form, you know, what am I going to do about it? I I probably won't hang around in your company or vice versa. I won't be following you. I won't be paying any attention to what you say. People keep exposing themselves to the stimuli that they say is offensive. And then they just keep Mm -hmm. banging on and on and on about it. And in this case, they're trying to get this guy silenced for just simply speaking his mind. And also, merit. you mentioned merit as well. There's one word in particular that uh, Joey seems to be using a lot, which is meritocracy, which I'm a great believer in. So, for example, if the best football pundits to comment on men's football were actually all women and they knew what the story was and they had a good handle on the game and they were doing a fantastic job better than any men well then get a squad of female football commentators on but he's Mm -hmm. highlighting for example there was one lady there that he highlighted she said uh, a certain player had scored a goal 19 (laughs) goals in 40 games and it was nearly a goal a game I'm sorry but please explain to me in simple English you know how the hell did that person ever land that job when they haven't got a handle on basic mental arithmetic well is that why blm say maths is racist or something (laughs) but i saw that and i'm like she literally said as you said do the math that's a goal almost a goal a game and it was it was really embarrassing now the thing is is she could have come out and she could have made a joke about herself Right, which is something I'd done if I was got maybe got nervous on tv and i said something silly i'd probably make a joke of it or ignore it and you know if and then if somebody comes back like joey barton and he gives you a bit of stick have something in your pocket to come back with have a bit of banter and that's the thing with joey you know people then attacked him but he came back all guns blazing fighting funny banter he's like there's so many things on his twitter that are absolutely hilarious um and that's how i remember it you know sometimes I'll ignore offensive comments people say to me and won't take offense by it, just ignore them. Or if I've got something witty to say, I'll retweet it with a comment, right? And that's the old school way. It's not bringing lawyers out. It's, you know, having some wit, having some, and, and being sharp and funny. And, and you know, if you're going to bite, bite back in a funny way. But this yeah. whole thing where it's gone, oh, we're going to get the government involved. We're going to get lawyers involved. It's just... It's so ridiculous and it kind of brings together exactly the point he was making that we're in such a weird, strange, ridiculous time where no one can even stand up for themselves. It's all like, you know, let's call someone in and let's call in the HR department and let's get this person fired or this person silenced. Like, 
get a thick skin, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, welcome yep. to the real world, have a bit of banter, laugh at what people say to you about you and don't take life so seriously. Like, you know, I, I think Joey's, I think he's hilariously funny. And yes. I think this is why he's got so much support, you know, because he just, <laughs> when he bites, <laughs> he bites back and gives it back right back to them. You know what? The one thing that I'm encouraged about is uh, what I've seen, sadly, and you've seen this too over the last few years, is some people have taken a stand, for example, and spoke out about certain issues. And then they've got jumped on and then there's been a pile on and then they've uh, put their tail between their legs and Mm -hmm. they've issued some groveling, whimpering apology that's never accepted, by the way. They're then used as almost scapegoats to say, this is what will happen to you if you speak out about this issue or that issue. I think the key to this one... uh, Leilani is you don't apologize for having an opinion. You don't apologize for having your views irrespective of who claims is offended. That's their problem and not yours. I'm not encouraging being disrespectful. I'm not encouraging, you know, hatred online, but I'm saying just simply stating your opinions. If people don't like it, that's too bad. What I am excited about a little bit with this uh, particular character, because I wasn't I wasn't really aware of him until, uh, you know, the last week or two. It's interesting to see who he's been hinting at that he's going to dish the dirt on, one of which in particular is Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker came out with a little statement at the weekend uh, saying Joey's got maybe a mental disorder possibly. And he said, Gary, you don't want to go down that road with me, do you? You don't want me to tell people what I know about you. I don't know about you, but there's almost like this, uh, you know, car crash element to this you know you shouldn't look but you want to look and i think it'll be interesting to see who else he starts throwing the mud at over the next uh few never never mind few months few days because uh, it seems to be uh developing by the day absolutely i would encourage everyone to go on it it's very entertaining i've got my popcorn ready i'm waiting to see who he dishes the dirt on and it's funny gary lineker has been very quiet hasn't he since he said that (laughs) since he said and this is the thing you'll find all these like squeaky clean people have got a lot of skeletons so it's just best be who you are like joey's being exactly who he is um and as you said never capitulate to the woke crowd because they won't accept your apology they'll just make it even worse for you you know what i I want to talk about something else real briefly here i suppose it's a a good news story or something to encourage people because like you uh, i'm sure you know you get immersed in things and then a lot there's a lot of negativity out there there's a lot of hate out there there's a lot of doom mongering out there but there are also encouraging stories that are coming out what happens when people actually get together as a unit and take to the streets. For example, in Germany, uh, there's been a huge protest in Germany over the last few weeks to do with uh, the German farmers. Uh, the government have paused or done a slight U-turn in some of the policies that they were going to try and bring in to crush the farmers in Germany, the same way they tried to do with uh, the Dutch farmers last year. I think we need to, I was talking to Darren about this yesterday as well, we need to start mobilizing a little bit more. Uh, We need to bring things to people's awareness online like we're doing now. But if Mm -hmm. it doesn't translate into boots on the ground, I think uh, it'll fizzle out. But I think the one thing they don't want is for people to actually take to the streets in numbers and say, no, we refuse to accept this. We resist this. We will peacefully non-comply with this. And there's not a thing you can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been really great seeing the farmers all get together. Um, and, you know, I was looking up exactly what it was about. And and it's all these green policies, these net zero policies that are being put in place. They wanted to stop the tax, break, tax breaks for um, farmers for their agricultural diesel. 
um, which is probably going to cost them about 4,000 a year. And there were other ones of these, you know, ridiculous net zero kind of policies they wanted to put in place. But we do see the farmers and you only see it online. The mainstream media is barely covering it. And I think that, again, shows that they're very scared that, you know, the British farmers might get the same ideas because they're doing the same thing. They're really, you know, um, they're squeezing the farmers really, really tightly. They're, they're selling, you know, selling off land to build houses on, you know, yeah. prime, you know, really rich, mm -hmm. fertile farmland um, instead of, you know, brown, um, uh, brownfield sites. Yes. Um, and so, you know, it would be great to see if our farmers did it, I would definitely find a tractor to go and sit on and be there as well. But I think it is really important, you know, and that's where social media is great because we do see things that we wouldn't necessarily see, you know, on the BBC, ITV, Sky News um, and, you know, channels like this where we talk about these things that are really going on. And if anyone hasn't seen the farmers in Germany, you know, I suggest going on social media and looking it up because... Yeah. You know, they've taken over Berlin. They're, um, you know, they're really showing the German people that they mean business. The truckers have got involved, bit small business of feeding them, helping them. Everyone, you know, really is backing it's these snowballing. Farmers. It's snowballing yes. at the minute, and that's what they don't want. Listen, I could talk to you for a lot longer here, but we've got to actually stop because we've got to take a little ad break, and then I've got somebody else coming on. But listen, hopefully, uh, if it wasn't too traumatic for you, it won't be the last time uh, you and I'll have a wee chat here on uh, Locked and Loaded. So a massive thanks to you, Leilani Dowding, this morning for taking the time out to talk to me. And please, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back after the short break with Roger Tattersall to take us up to the top of the hour here only on TNT, today's news talk. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great you. idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. Informative and engaging. Rick Mon. Rick Mon on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Ah, what a morning it's been, eh? It's two years, Rog, by the way, Roger Talk. 
tall bloke Roger Tattersall is joining me now from deepest, darkest Yorkshire. He's not in his <laughs> fixer upper Morning, in the Rick. south of France today. He's in grim old, he's, it's grim up north, as they say. But listen, it's all the better for having you there, Mr. Tattersall. Welcome back. And I don't know if you know this or not, but today, believe it or not, is two years TNT's been on the air. For two I, years I saw your tweet on. earlier, Rick. Yeah, yeah two, two yeah. years old. Congratulations to the to the station and uh, yeah. good to see TNT making it this far and let's Isn't hope it? we go a whole lot further with this. Indeed, and you've been coming on actually for probably about 18 months or so now. Uh, you started uh, uh, coming on my show around about the summertime of 2022 and you've been coming back regularly since. And listen, there's a ton of stuff that you're well-versed on and I know that and there's so many topics that I'd love to dig into you deep with you today, but sadly because of time we just can't do that. However, uh, we want to talk a little bit about British politics and of course... Ah the climate shenanigans that's going on at the minute oh yeah uh, you said uh, let's do a couple of minutes on ed millibrand's uh, eco obsessions and also germany's economic recession which is due in large part to trying to follow the the blueprint or the the, the uk wants to follow this uh, german blueprint that's driving them down the gutter uh, when it comes to the economy yeah. so what about millibrand why should we be aware or beware of ed millibrand well, you know, it looks like we may get a Labour government at the next election if if people don't wake up in time and realise what they're voting for. Um, but really, they're, they're all as bad as each other, the main parties. Ed Miliband and the Labour Party, uh, you know, totally in the tank with, with the UN IPCC climate change uh, directives, uh, unquestioningly. And the Tories have, have adapted that a bit. They're saying, oh, we're going to give some oil and gas licenses out for the North Sea. Uh, leave it with us. It's all safe. But actually what they're planning to do with a lot of that gas is uh, crack it into hydrogen because uh, mm. this is the latest money-making get-rich-quick scheme that they've cooked up for their pals. Mm. And uh, and so, as, as you know, the Tories like to do this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got this new invention. It's great. Um, uh, yes, the taxpayers will have to pay for it. Well, when they crack this gas into hydrogen and then store the CO2 that's produced from that process in a hole in the ground somewhere where it'll only leak out slowly and no one will notice, honest, um, that that process will take up 40% of the energy uh, and, and waste a load of energy converting the gas into the hydrogen. And then they're talking about pumping it into the grid because they haven't got enough industrial processes to use it all. So you're then going to end up in this mad situation where they could have just pumped the methane straight into the grid without any modifications. But now they're going to have to build a whole load of new infrastructure to store this hydrogen, feed 10% of it into the gas grid. God knows what they'll do with the other excess that they can't get rid of because they've shut down most of the industry in this country with their mad policies for the last 20 years. I mean, it's all just complete and utter insanity. And unfortunately, all the civil servants are... are uh, are on board with all of this as well, you know, because they're all hooked on the same ideology that, that believes that this climate change crisis is a real thing. Whereas you and I know, as I've explained many times, you know, the warming since 1980 was caused not by an increase in CO2, but by a reduction in cloud cover. And that's yes. a natural thing that we can have no effect on. So, you know, it's all <laughs> crazy it, stuff. So it, don't vote for any of this lot. Ed, Ed Davey, of course, leading, leading the Lib Dems, just as bad. He's in the tank for the whole thing as well. So don't vote, sack the lot of them and vote and vote for independents and small parties at the election. That's the message.
Uh, well, you know, it's a damn fine message. And uh, I saw a politician from my neck of the woods here uh, yesterday on social media banging on about how if we don't take steps to address climate, we're all going to doom, we're all going to flood, we're all going to be burned up, we're all going to be burnt to a crisp, our blood will boil. And you know what? Listen, recently in the area that I live in, there have been some excess flooding. But you know what? I saw the local councils addressing the climate change issue last week. They sent lots of vans out and lots of work details out. They lifted manhole covers up and they raked out the, the leaves that had accumulated there that were causing <laughs> Massive amounts of flooding to happen. It got damn all to do with the climate. It was simply absolutely, bad uh, management absolutely. by our local council. You know, if they spent yeah, the money on ordinary working folk getting the <laughs> job rig. done, then there rig. wouldn't be a crisis and an emergency, would there? But they're giving all the money to climate change consultants and their own pals who've dreamt up get-rich-quick schemes. You know, so this is the problem it's we're mad. faced with. That's why we're going to have to sack them all. It is. Uh, there was a guy that uh, there was a guy I saw a statement here this morning. I'm going to read it to you, uh, which was really, really funny because I don't know about you, Rog, but when I'm watching these guys talk, I'm thinking, do some of them actually believe what they're saying or do they realize that it's BS and they're simply getting their pockets lined or their palms greased because of, you know, towing the line and punting a certain narrative? So this guy came out here. He's a very eminent astrophysicist and this was his comment uh, that he made here uh today he said i really find it uh, the whole problem of this global warming is complete nothing, which means we should do nothing about it. Just go on, live your life and adapt to it, says Dr. Willie Soon, who is a world famous astrophysicist. So if someone like me, for example, was to come on and challenge the narrative, you know, they usually hit you with, what are your credentials? What do you know about anything? Do you have a degree in this? Are you this? Are you that? But when the world's eminent physicists are coming out or meteorologists are coming out and saying, you know what, we're not on the payroll. We we don't really see that there's an issue here. It's all much ado about nothing. They're, they're ignored as well. You know, what will it take to crack this narrative for once and for all? Well, it's a good question. You know, I mean, the, the latest Nobel uh, Prize for Physics was given to a guy who's also saying the same as I've been saying, it's the clouds. You know, yes. or the lack of them that, that's caused the warming, not nothing to do with CO2. And the data says that, the satellite data says that, and the climate scientists know this, but they say as little about it as possible and, and still let the media pump out this old story of uh, CO2 trapping heat in the atmosphere, which is just absolute nonsense. And uh, and so, you know, how, how will we break this? I, I don't know. Stop funding them and stop mm. listening to them. Switch them off and the crisis will go away. You know, there will there be a, no crisis. There was a statement made recently uh, by one of the uh, representatives of the World Economic Forum, and she was giving an overview on where narratives are at at the minute. And of course, uh, you know, they were talking about the COVID, uh, you know, narrative that said, you know, people just simply aren't getting injected anymore. In her words, she said, the climate narrative is too complicated for most people to grasp. It's not really Oh, the, the little people can't understand the, what the all their tax money is being used for. can't right, understand right. what the tax money is being used for. But they were concerned that this one, which is what I think they're pushing, they've really been pushing this, as you know, for years. I don't think it's catching hold the way that they thought that it would because people, for example, if you tell me 
like in Ireland last year, 2023, allegedly was one of the hottest years on record in history in Ireland. All I can remember is wind and rain and a lack of sunshine and cloud well, you cover. You remember 1976, just... don't you? It was hot then, wasn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> but that's the point. You know, you I don't need an expert to tell me if there's a heat wave because I'll sweat a lot, I'll be very uncomfortable, and I'll want to lead a eat a lot of ice lollies. But if I'm eating ice lollies and sweating a lot and you tell me there's a big freeze on, I'll certainly scratch my head <laughs> and say what I'm experiencing in the real world does not line up to what you're telling well, me. And well, that's by, why by the, on that subject, Rick, you know, Arctic, Arctic ice this December is the highest it's been in 20 years, you know, the greatest extent of sea ice. The ice volume, according to the, the PIO mass model, um, has, has been generally sort of turning the corner and trending back up for year, for several years now. And I'm monitoring this month by month on a graph that I'm keeping up to date with, with the latest monthly data from the Pyomass team. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to look like the the ice is following a 65-year a natural variation sine wave in, in phase, in lockstep with the, the Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation. So this sort of linear downward trend that, that the IPCC drew through it and said, oh, we're going to reach no ice in 2035 is looking less and less tenable. It's, and, and the, you know, the, the actual way that you measure how well something correlates, you use something called the, the correlation coefficient, the Pearson R squared coefficient. Mm -hmm. And you actually get a better Pearson R squared for the sine wave than you do for the straight line downward trend now by about 4%. So, <laughs> so unless things start going their way again pretty soon, they could be in trouble. And given that ice is at its greatest extent in 20 years this last month, you know, gives the, the lie to this whole hottest year for 125,000 year nonsense that they've been trying to bash us over the head with through the TV, doesn't it? You know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's, abs it's absurd. And, and listen, we're coming up, uh, well, we're coming up to the end of this show here as well, but the smart money is on an election happening. You know, you and I have been talking about politics and UK elections now for, for as long as we've been talking together. This year is going to be a big one within the UK. You have our second unelected current PM, which is uh, Rishi Sunak following on from Liz Truss, following on from Boris Johnson, probably contesting, uh, you know, a, a, a general election against Keir Starmer. Uh, I know you can't foresee the future, but uh, it's looking more likely that Starmer and co will get in, despite the fact that uh, Sunak's banging on about tax breaks and, you know, for everyone's going to be 450 quid better off and they're stopping the boats and dealing with uh, immigration. They're not really doing a whole hell of a lot, are they? But if Starmer gets in, I don't know about you, you know, irrespective if you were a traditional Labour voter or a traditional Tory voter, I don't think anybody would look at Keir Starmer's lot and think, yeah, they're going to make this the UK a better place. Don't vote go. for any of them. Sack the lot of them. Put, put in the independents and, and the candidates from the small parties. They certainly can't mm -hmm. do any worse, and they'll probably do a lot better and a lot more honestly and, yeah. and with less machinations in the background. So yeah. put in the ordinary folk who've, who've stood up for democracy mm -hmm. and vote for them. Don't vote for the main parties. This is the simple answer. How, um, sweet, you know, we, how sweet would it be, Roger? How sweet would it be if people actually did that and we could sit here maybe in six months' time from now and say there's been a complete whitewash and Westminster <laughs> is now filled with independent candidates who do listen to people's actual advice, who do listen to their actual constituents and who are who are actually out 
for the betterment of their constituents. Is that too much of a, you know, uh, I had a dream moment on my part or a John Lennon imagine moment, or am I just being a little bit too optimistic? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to leave them to get on with it this time. As you know, I've stood in elections in the past and I've, mm -hmm. I've worked as an organiser looking after candidates uh, standing for election in the past. I'm taking some time out at the moment. I'm involved with a really exciting uh, world, potentially world-changing physics project yeah. with a, a fantastic physicist called Mike McCulloch, uh, who's mm -hmm. who's another. He's he's one of us, mate. He's uh, mm -hmm. you know he he uh, he believes in doing what's right, and uh, and he's made an amazing discovery. We've currently mm -hmm. got a, a test was launched up into space on a Falcon Nine rocket to test his ideas um, uh, mid November. And and that will that experiment will be switched on sometime in the next couple of weeks, and we will start getting the telemetry data to see whether our purely electric thruster that works with no propellant can actually move this satellite on orbit and change it change it to a new orbit. And if it's successful, it's going to open up the possibility of uh, generating power here on Earth um, without using any kind of fuel or combustion. Uh, or or unreliable wind or you know mm. weak solar power um it'll you know enable um superluminal travel nearly you know we could we could get up to half the speed of light on the way to alpha centauri with a probe that could get there in 10 years instead of 5000 years which is how long it would take well, you now. know what we'll do listen uh, we're out of time but the next time you and i talk i promise you cross my heart and hope to die we're going to talk about that in i'd love to tell you more about this project in. it's going to be we will and do i'll it. have some real data for you as well so see you well, there, listen Rick. We'll do that. And massive thanks to you, Rog, for joining us again uh, on uh, TNT on Locked and Loaded. I'll, I'll be back again tomorrow, all being well, at 9 a.m. with Natalie. But please stay tuned for more here. The Freeman Report is incoming on TNT. Have a great day, everyone. Rick Monaco, and out.